You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. That's one of the greatest things about the Bible. It's, it's a love story from God, but it's also very real and very relevant to our life right now. Because guess what? You're not the first person that's experienced discouragement. You're not the first person in the Bible that said, I want to give up. I'm done. It's in there. I want to talk about one of those people today and his story a little bit. His name was Elijah. Now, Elijah was a great prophet. In fact, one of the most revered prophets in the Old Testament. Along with he and Moses, they're pretty much at, at the top of the list. Okay, if you go back to Jewish history, in the history of the Bible, Moses and Elijah, pretty much, they were the ones. And Elijah was called to prophesy to the people to help turn their hearts back to God. That was his specific mission that God gave him. And in that process, God empowered Elijah to do some fantastic things. Crazy miracles, just, I mean... Let me tell you what, God filled Elijah with the ability to do miracles. In fact, some have nicknamed Elijah the prophet of fire because he called down fire from heaven not once but twice. He also had a a fiery passion for preaching God's word to the people. They didn't always want to hear it. Now, let's let's be clear. In fact, most of the time they didn't want to hear it, okay, If if we're being truthful. And he also is famous for leaving this world in a chariot of fire. Wow. One of only two people recorded in the Bible, by the way, that never tasted earthly death. If we are to believe what the Bible says, and I do, Elijah's one of only two. The chariot took him straight to heaven. We're talking about a guy that lived a pretty exciting life, right? And yet, Elijah dealt with discouragement, just like you and I do. Hard to believe. I've just painted a picture of this great prophet. God's using him. God, you know, and yet Elijah dealt with the same discouragement that you and I do. And it's from that low point today that I'm going to preach. From that time when Elijah experienced discouragement, and in fact, said, I want to give up. Because we're going to learn today from Elijah how to get up when you want to give up. And that's the title of my message today, how to get up when you want to give up. You see, the story is found in 1 Kings. And Elijah had been called in, in chapter 17 and 18. By the way, go read chapter 7. We're not getting into 17 and 18 today. I got, it's a whole different sermon, whole different message, whole different thing. But if you want to read the Bible that looks like a Hollywood movie, I'm telling you, read chapter 17 and 18 of 1 Kings. I mean, there is excitement. There is fire coming down from heaven. There's, I mean, anything you'd want. If you think the Bible's boring, I got news for you. Go read 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. It is not boring, okay? So do that on, on your own. Today we're going to be talking about chapter 19. But 
Let me give you the context for chapter 19. Let me tell you what happened in 1 Kings 17 and 18, very briefly. God told Elijah to go show himself to a king called King Ahab. And at the time, the land was in a drought. And so God said, if you will go appear to Ahab, I will end this drought. So that's the reason he, one reason he went. He also went so that he could confront them about what they were doing. The Bible says King Ahab was an evil king. But you know what? He had an even worse wife. I hate to tell you that. You know, no, I'm not, you know, wives are a blessing from the Lord, right? But King Ahab had a bad wife. I'm just keeping it real. Her name was Jezebel. And King Ahab not only did have a bad wife, but he let her influence him in some very negative ways. Okay? And what we're confronted with in chapter 17 and 18 specifically is what he had done is he had built, he had agreed to build a temple to a false god named Baal. And Baal was the god of Jezebel's family. That's who her family had said, we're going to worship this god named Baal. Well, as you can imagine, that created a problem, right? Certainly created a problem for God and certainly created a problem for Elijah that he was sending Elijah to deal with, right? Because what was happening was the Israelites, God's people, the true God, Yahweh, people were beginning to flee from him and go and worship this God named Baal. That was a problem, right? And in 1 Kings chapter 18, the way that chapter ends is with, lack of a better term, it's shootout at the OK Corral. So what happened was Elijah said, look, I want you to gather all, he wanted everyone to see this. So Elijah said, I want you to gather all the Israelites, but I also want you to gather all these prophets of Baal. And I want the king there. I want the queen there. I want everybody to see, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to cut up a bull and leave it on the wood as an offering, which was the custom then. And he said, all right, you Baal prophets, you go do the same thing. You cut up a bull and you leave it on a pile of wood. And whatever God, your God or Yahweh, whatever God brings the fire to light that wood, that's how we're going to know who the true God is. Right? So, guess what? The true God showed up. The false God did not. Right? The true God literally brought fire from heaven. Not only, by the way, did he torch the offering of Elijah, he torched the other offering too, and that's after they poured water on it three times. God was making sure everybody understood, no, I, I'm going to show you who the real true God is, okay? So just, a, does that sound like something out of a, a Hollywood movie? I mean, just, just envision that, right? Wow, pretty exciting, right? So God shows up, lights the fire, so to speak. Whole sermon can be fire and rain. We could do a whole sermon on that too. But God shows up, lights the fire, shows everybody I am the true God. Not only that, but after that happened, Elijah, and there was 450 prophets of Baal that showed up. Elijah then took all 450 and killed them down by the brook. A little water. 
Woo, man, pretty exciting. Talk about a spiritual high. I mean, could Elijah have been any more excited? God showed up, did what he said he was going to do, and in front of everybody he killed these 450 false prophets. But really what happened next is what I want to preach about today. What happened next after the great victory that Elijah had? Because you see, the problem was Elijah believed that once Queen Jezebel saw and King Ahab saw this display of power, that they would just give up. I mean, come on, the, the one true God showed up, right? I mean, show down, throw down, okay, corral, high noon, here it is. God did what he said he was going to do in front of everybody. 450 prophets of Baal killed in front of everybody. Would you need any more information to make your decision? Seemed pretty straightforward. And so Elijah probably had a reasonable expectation that, hey, God showed up. Everybody saw what happened. Surely Queen Jezebel will get it now, right? I mean, but guess what? Sometimes no matter how much evidence you give somebody, they're still not going to believe it. And that's exactly what happened with Queen Jezebel. So our text today is going to be uh, 1 Kings 19. And this is a little bit of scripture that I, I do want to read because it's so fundamental to what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together. So if you'll bear with me, got, got a little scripture to read today. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19 and it goes 1 through 16. So we are going to get through it. I'll try and get through it as quickly as I can so we can get to really what we can learn from it. So this is what it says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Translation, I'm going to have you killed by this time tomorrow. Exactly what she's telling Elijah. Now Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, some uh, describe it as a broom tree in other translations, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. This is what he said to God, I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. And then he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, which is the mountain of God. And there... He went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death. Which, by the way, I didn't mention that, but when you read 17 and 18, you'll see that Jezebel had already killed all of God's prophets except for a hundred. And somebody stashed those hundred in a cave, actually, which is an interesting part of the story. Check that out, too. That's what he's talking about here. 
And so the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way that you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meloah, to succeed you as prophet. There's a whole lot going on in that story, isn't there? A whole lot. So here's Elijah with this huge victory, right, that he had just experienced. And again, he had expected Jezebel to just surrender and give up. Does that sound familiar to somebody here? Maybe you've worked hard on something, worked hard at a relationship, worked hard at a job. You've had a specific outcome you were hoping for. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. And when that happens, what do you do? That's really what we're going to talk about. When that, when that kind of thing happens, when you want to give up, how do you get up? How do you get up? Well, I would suggest there's, there's three things to keep in mind about how to get up when you want to give up that we learn from Elijah's story. Number one, remember what God has said, what he has said to you, what he has said about you. Remember what God had said. Or remember what God has said about you the next time you face something you want to give up on. You see, Elijah ran for a number of reasons, actually. First of all, he was physically exhausted, right? I just, I just want you to know, think about this. He had, this whole fire coming down from heaven, that was like an all-day event, by the way. It said they circled and circled and prayed and prayed. Elijah and the prophets of Baal both, right? Of course, only one God responded because there is only one God. But, but he was physically tired because not only that, right after that, he, this dude killed 450 people himself with a sword, okay? He was tired. Elijah was tired, trust me. He was physically exhausted. He was hungry. And he momentarily, not to mention we know he was afraid. It says that, right? But momentarily he forgot what God had told him. God had already told him, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to, not only this, I'm going to bring rain, right? Which is really what it was about to begin with, right? The whole thing was about God appearing to Ahab so that the drought would be ended. And God had already promised, look, you go deal with Ahab. You appear before him. You do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to bring the rain. 
Later on in the next chapter, he does bring the rain, okay? But he forgot that. But he also forgot that God is not a God of fear. Remember Pastor Karen preached not too long ago about this, that God specifically says over 300 times in the Bible, don't be afraid. Well, Elijah had temporarily forgotten that, right? There's really no reason for him to be afraid. He had just been given a tremendous victory. He had just seen God work. There was no reason for him to be afraid, but because he was tired, because he was scared, fear fear can do that to us, right? It can do that to us because we know in 2 Timothy, God says that he's not given us a spirit of fear. So if Elijah was afraid, guess where it came from? It wasn't God. It wasn't God, but he forgot that. And so what he did was because he was afraid, he ran. He ran. But the fear was a lie. Again, because God had clearly just given him the victory. The fear was a lie. But he forgot because he was tired, because he was fearful. And you know, when we're physically depleted, when we're mentally depleted, when we're spiritually depleted, we can believe some lies too. We can believe some lies. We can believe, oh, let's just give up. Let's just give up. We cannot be thinking right. And that's what happened with Elijah here, right? And that can lead us to want to run away, right? Come on. Anybody here ever just want to southwest, you know, fly away, right? Yes. You know, just, just fly away. Let me, let me just get out of here. Sometimes we're running from a problem. Sometimes we're running from a person. And sometimes we might even be trying to run from God himself. Because anytime we're running, almost always it's because of fear. You know, even psychological principles tell us it's the flight or fight syndrome. That's usually how we react to fear is either we stand up and we fight or we run away. Right? We fear that things aren't going to turn out the way we want them. We fear failure. We fear all kinds of things when we say we want to give up. It's almost always fear that leads us to that wrong thinking. So Elijah was afraid of Queen Jezebel's threats, and so he ran. Now, again, that seems kind of (laughs) silly, given what he had just gone through. Right? God had called down fire. He'd killed 450 prophets. It was clear that God was with him. And yet he he gave in to the fear for, for, for a minute. Right? That's how it is with us, too. We have to be careful that we don't let fear stop us in our tracks, that we don't let fear determine our next step. Instead, we let our faith in God determine what we should do, right? Not our fear. Not our fear. And we need to remember what God has said to us and said about us. One of the things God tells us is he will never leave us or forsake us. He also tells us he will always be with us. Look at this in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. This is someone else who knew a lot about God and God being with him in a very uh, variety of circumstances. This is King David. This is what King David said about God. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which by the way is another name for hell, 
Even there, you are, you are there. Okay, he's, he's trying to say, no matter where I go, I know that you're already there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God knows where you are all the time. All the time. Now, here's the thing that Elijah did well in this situation. In verse 4, we see him still communicating with God. So even though he was running from Jezebel, he kept God in the equation. Now, if we're honest, his prayer to God wasn't necessarily faith-filled, right? It was like, hey, just take me out of the game. But here's the thing. He kept that line of communication open. He still went to God even when he was afraid, even when he was running from something else. He had an, enough faith and enough sense to still go to God. And that's what we need to do. Man, I know there's things in your life you're fearful of. I know there's times you want to give up. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on keeping that relationship with him because he is the first part of the answer to how to get up when you want to give up is keep those communication lines open. You see what he did here? He was basically telling God how he felt. And that's okay, by the way. That's perfectly okay. Tell God how you feel. If you want to give up, guess what? He already knows it. He already knows you want to give up. Just be honest with him. Say, God, man, I'm at a place. (laughs) I'm going to need you to step in here, God. I'm going to need you to help me not want to give up. That's really what Elijah was saying to God. I I want to give it. He was just being honest with him. Let God handle your fear. Let God handle your trouble. Let God handle that discouragement and disappointment. That is the very first thing to do when you want to get up, when you want to give up, is remember what God said about you, who you are in Christ. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Elijah ultimately didn't forget that, and that's really what allowed him to kind of go to the next step. And here's that next step. Realize that God fills us with what we need. Realize that God fills us with what we need. You see, God knew Elijah was under attack. He knew he was hungry. He knew he was tired. He knew he was discouraged. And so what did he do? He sent an angel, first of all, to meet the physical need of Elijah. Elijah needed to eat, right? Elijah needed to eat. God sent an angel specifically to feed him. By the way, in previous chapters, God sent ravens, birds to feed Elijah in a different circumstance. See, Elijah, whoa, wait a minute. God sent ravens before. This time he's sending an angel. God hasn't forgotten about me. Come on. God's going to fill you with what you need when you want to give up. Elijah already knew this. He'd forgotten it. for He probably forgot about the ravens for a minute. But I wonder when that angel showed up if he, oh, wait a minute. God's fed me before with angels or ravens. This time he's feeding me with angels. He was, he was reminding himself that God will fill him with what he needs. And sometimes we need to let God fill us. We need to rest. Sometimes just resting God. We need to let him feed us <laughs> spiritually, sometimes even physically. You know, God might send someone to bring dinner to you. 
when you're going through a rough thing. I guarantee that's part of him refilling you, okay? He may send his Holy Spirit to minister to you, to, to, to share with you things. That's him filling you spiritually. God does that. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to refill you in the way that you need to be refilled. And again, after two experiences... Uh, well, one with God coming down and now the angel feeding him. The next part of the story says, okay, he got enough energy to go to Mount Oreb. 40 days and 40 nights it took him to get there. And then what does he do? He kind of retreats to another dark place, a cave. All right, so here in the cave, he has another experience with God. God shows up, and here's the thing. If, if you read it and read closely, it looked like maybe what the author was trying to say was Elijah, when God was meeting him in the cave, he was expecting to see him in the big, right? In the fire, in the earthquake. And yet he didn't see him in those places. And again, I wonder if he was thinking, well, here's another unmet expectation. But remember, he was in the cave to begin with because he had an unmet expectation, right? That's how he arrived at this cave to begin with. And yet it was the still, small voice where God was. And sometimes God's going to be in that still, small voice. He's going to show up for you in a way that you don't expect. He's going to show up in a way that you you might think it's supposed to go this way. But God, no. Remember, God's going to fill you with what you need when you need it. When you want to give up. Remember that. God will fill you with what you need. And so God sent the angel to feed his stomach. But he sent himself with the nourishment, the nourishment of encouragement. God sent himself to nourish Elijah with his encouragement directly through his Holy Spirit. God will do the same for you. God will do the same for you. When you Reach that point where you're ready to give up. Let him fill you. Let him fill you with his spirit. Let him fill you with what you need for your journey. That's what he did for Elijah, and he'll do it for you. So first, God wants us to remember what he's said to us and about us. That's the first step to getting up. Next, we let him fill us with what we need. And finally, the last thing I think we can learn from this story of Elijah is to rely on God to finish what he starts. Rely on God to finish what he starts. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 6. says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You see, God was faithful to finish his work in Elijah. He's faithful to finish his work in you and in me. God and Elijah had quite a history together. They'd been through a lot by the time this took place. God had gotten Elijah out of some sticky places. He'd gotten him through a drought. He'd, gotten, he'd saved him many times from dangerous circumstances and situations. So they had this history, right? And so when God meets him in that conversation, 
the last thing he says to him that we read today was, okay, now I've still got more for you to do. Not done. Not done with you yet. God's not done with you. He's not done with me. Every minute you have breath on this planet, whether you're eight or 80 or 100, whatever you are, God has more for you to do. God has more for you to do. Now, you notice God didn't necessarily address Elijah's complaints, right? He didn't, he didn't get all into them. He just, in fact, he asked him twice, what, what are you doing here, man? I mean, basically, I've got stuff for you to do. What, what, what are you doing here? You remember when Jesus encountered the uh, guy at the pool of Bethesda, right? And he, uh, or Bethesda, I'm sorry. And he uh, said, why are you laying here? And the guy said, well, he started rehearsing, kind of like what Elijah did. He started rehearsing, well, this is the reason. I can't get in. No one will help me. What was Elijah saying? Eh, I'm the last one. Can't do it. And the only one left, right? Usually God doesn't address our excuses a whole lot, right? He just kind of gets right to it. Okay. What did Jesus say to the guy at the pool? Well, do you want to be well? And I think God was saying to Elijah, okay, come on. I hear you. He listened. He was patient. Just like Jesus was patient with, with the man that couldn't walk. But at the end of the day, he was calling him to more. He was, I have more for you. God has more for you. When you feel like you want to give up, let me assure you, God has more for you to do. He has more in your life, more people he wants you to impact. You see, in Elijah's case, God had two kings he still needed him to crown. And he had his replacement to mentor, Elisha. God still had a lot. And by the way, that relationship, oh man, if you, if you go on and re- read the relationship that developed between Elijah and Elisha, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful relationship. And one of the things that Elisha asked before his mentor was taken in that chariot was, I want to do twice as much as you've been able to do. And he was given that blessing. Just think, had Elisha, had Elijah given up? Elisha wouldn't have had that relationship. There's, there's people that God has for you to still meet. There's people and relationships that God still has for you to be a part of, that he's going to use in a powerful way. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let God get you up. Don't quit. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that your discouragement is a reason to give up. It's not. Because God can get you through it. Remember when you want to give up. Remember what God has said to you and about you. Realize that God will fill you with what you need and rely upon God to finish what he started. And when you do that, I can't promise you a chariot's going to show up to pick you up. But you know what I can assure you from God's word is that you'll hear these words from God one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. You fought the good fight. And because you didn't give up, you finished your race well. 
Isn't that what we all want to hear when this life is over? Don't give up. Don't give up. Remember what God says about who you are. You're a royal priesthood. You are dearly loved. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's what he says about you. Let him fill you with what you need so you can continue on the journey and always remember that God is faithful to finish what he starts. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and grateful for you and we love you so much. God, thank you for the good and faithful Father that you are to us, that you don't give up on us ever. So, Lord, when we get discouraged and we want to give up, remind us of what your word says about us. Remind us of who we are. Remind us that fear is not part of who you made us to be. And, God, will you give us what we need? Help us to see and to recognize what that is. And don't let us miss out on what you have for us. Father, let us be filled And God, give us strength to stay in the fight, even when sometimes we may not want to. Let us see the finish line that you've prepared for us. And let us remember that you encourage us, Father God. Fill us with your nourishment of encouragement. And give us the hope that we need. Father God, thank you for being so faithful to finish in us the work that you have started. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you hear God speaking to you today, maybe you don't have a relationship with him yet, or maybe it's time to renew that relationship. If you've just been controlling your own life, and today you're realizing that Jesus needs to be the one in control of your life. If that's you, then I'd like to ask you to just pray this simple prayer with us today. And Believers, those that already have experienced this with Jesus, would you just pray this with us as well in support of one another? Will you just pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.